Welcome to another Karen 10 on the road podcast where I am in sunny California on the campus of Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, where one of our alumni, Dr. Bill Brandenstein, has been assistant minister of music for 20 years. Bill graduated from Karen in 1987. He earned his DMA from the University of Southern California. And I join him now in a pretty excellent recording space to talk about music ministry in church. And it's his recording space, and so it's very well decked out. Bill, thanks for letting me stop by today. It's a privilege, thank you. First off, Bill, I thought it'd be interesting for any listening to hear how you came to Grace Community Church, and also a little bit more about what your role here entails. Well, thank you, Nate. We have um, a disclosure to make, first of all, up front. So the gentleman who I am assistant to is my uncle. That's important because uh, Clayton Erb has been serving here as the Minister of Music for over 40 years, and um, which is a remarkable partnership alongside our Pastor John MacArthur's 50-plus years now. Um, that is just a, a God-ordained blessing. And so I grew up knowing Clayton as my uncle, but I also regarded him as the gold standard of sacred music in what he did in his own performing as well as the directing he did in the churches that led up to Grace and then here at Grace. So I never imagined that I would end up here on staff. In fact, I was always concerned, maybe still am, I just don't want to mess it up. (laughs) So what happened as I moved here to work on my doctorate, I began serving uh, a series of churches because that's what ministers of music end up doing, serving a series of churches. And I was uh, doing school and I was doing music ministry uh, here in Southern California for a number of years. And in the Lord's grace, uh, he did something really remarkable. And that is that he started to kind of help my ministry and Clayton's staff mingle together and he knitted the hearts of everyone together. And they're looking at Clayton going, why isn't he on staff? And so I never saw this coming. I would never have imagined or even tried to become part of this. But when they offered that uh, position to me, we prayerfully considered that and left our church kicking and screaming and glad to uh, now look back 20 years later and just see all that the Lord has done in his grace and uh, blessing this uh, amazing team as we uh, magnify his name together. So my role here has changed in terms of time focus over the past two decades. But what, uh, and even saying that is crazy. I've, I've been doing this for two 20 decades. years. Yeah. That's, that's it's a long time. Um, uh, yeah. What else in my life have I done for that long other than the privilege of being a husband to my dear wife, Amy? I mean, that's about it. So... Anyway, my focus has changed uh, here and there over the 20 years, but, uh, you know, I really cover anything that Clayton needs, which really is to to shadow him, and then I have full directorial department responsibility and and service leading when he's not here or wants to be away, and helping plan and organize, rehearse and review, uh, sometimes even shepherding and leading. Um, There are administrative things. Uh, occasionally I write or arrange music. Yes, that college music theory matters every day when we do that. Um, there are audio projects. Um, and if I'm not doing anything else on a Sunday, I'll be right here in this room mixing the audio for our, our church live stream. 
and um, that's right here in this room that we're sitting in. Sounds like a full plate. It's a blessing. Yeah. Well, I wanted to get into uh, some questions, Bill, about worship music in general. And I was really thinking with this podcast, this could be an opportunity for somebody who is just starting out in a position like the one that you filled for all these years to glean something from your experience. Obviously, there's a variety of perspectives and voices on this, but um, I think it would be really critical to capture some of your, um, your thoughts on these things. Let's start with the word worship. We hear that word thrown around a lot today in evangelical culture. So yes. what do you think our minds should associate worship with, specifically in the context of what happens during a church service? Mm-hmm. Now, you, being the, the person that you are, you may want to qualify some of these questions, I know. And if you do, that's fine. But uh, maybe this one um, starts us off. Uh, at a place that you can work from. But I'm thinking about that. The church service, we hear people talk about worship. How should we be thinking about that? Nathan, that's a good question. I don't need to qualify it at all because worship, yeah, it has become some something of a catchphrase. There's so much um, marketing. There's so much church culture. You know, you have worship programs and worship arts and worship music and worship leaders. And let's just, so let's take all the modifiers away and just say, forget all that. What is worship? Well, and of course, in its most basic definition, worship is uh, someone ascribing worth to something or someone greater than themselves. And so in a biblical sense, then worship is to have a believer ascribing worth and magnifying the person and work of the true God of the Bible. So let's just start that as a, as a sort of a very simple but theologically minded definition of what worship is. So when we come together on a Sunday, we call it a worship service, which is actually sort of a dangerous thing because if, if all you ever hear about worship is, oh, this is what happens when we have at a service, well, that's actually not worship in and of itself. Hopefully worship is occurring there. But as we'll talk about in this conversation, I trust that worship means a whole lot more than that. So our minds need to associate worship with the person and work of God and magnifying him. That's really what we need to keep coming back to. And um, probably then picturing what happens at church as worship uh, is probably not the first concept we want to have come to our minds. Even though that corporate gathering is mandated by the Lord and it's where we as a community need to express that worship. That's not the foundation of it. So I think the foundation of it is that we're responding to the truth God has revealed of himself and then offering ourselves in obedience and in adoration because of that, which actually, let's just put this out here. You can't worship that which you don't know. So I had a feeling that's what you were going to say. Thanks. <laughs> Based so, on the earlier conversation. Okay. <laughs> so what that means is that the guy up front being called the worship leader, which is a title I have always disliked. I've always felt that should be maybe the Holy Spirit should have that title. Bottom line is the role of scripture in worship cannot be underestimated because you cannot worship God if you don't know what he has revealed about himself. So 
how do we know that? By knowing his word. So what do we want to associate worship with? We want to associate it with the adoration in right response to knowing who he is. So that's a really weighty concept that you've just laid out there. Um, yeah, it's pretty heavy. It's just, it's very, very serious. So uh, for those who among us have been given the weighty task of directing church worship programs, are there some dangers that you think they should be mindful of? Well, sure. <laughs> as long as we are um, imperfect uh, human beings, the side of heaven, there are, there are many dangers. So let me talk about a few. First of all, I think we need to, to never forget that we don't belong here in this role. We are completely unworthy and undeserving to serve Christ, right? Um, let alone uh, be the ones leading the chorus of his praises. You know, I feel like we're eavesdropping on his throne. I mean, not only do I feel unworthy as a sinner before God, depending on his grace to be doing this, but then I'm eavesdropping on things that don't even belong in my ears. It's my voice to be added, not be taking it in. So I think that the danger is to forget that we are blessed to be burying this, this priceless treasure in common clay pots. So the danger is don't forget that we are bearing treasure in clay pots. Um, we're all sinners saved by grace, and um, so there's that. I think another danger is, is just that of receiving attention. It's hard to be in a public ministry and to be humble. Um, and, and yet Christ, the, the king of the universe, is the most humble of all. So we, we want to follow that Philippians 2 example and not consider ourselves of any account. Um, and in fact, as church ministry leaders, regardless of whether it's music or anything else, we're there to hold a mirror in front of the congregation that reflects the glory of Christ. So if no one can tell who's holding the mirror, so, so fine. It, it, so I would just say if someone is struggling with loving the adulation and the attention, that's probably not the ministry they should be in. And I would pray that we would all follow Christ's example of humility. Um, another danger is uh, that of, of singing lyrics that fall short of the biblical standard. And um, that's a really weighty thing, too, because if you look through Scripture and you look at all the different examples scattered throughout and then in the book of Psalms as to what lyrics are, I mean, even our greatest hymns, I mean, they're not inspired Scripture. So don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying... We can only sing scripture, but our biblical standard is to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. They're, they're lyrics of substance, and they're lyrics of quality. And so, you know, compare what you're singing in, in your church to those scriptural examples and just see if they stack up with a reasonable richness of theology and a reasonable orthodoxy, and, and they're Christological, so you see the work of Christ and in, in them and so forth. I guess another caution would be in, in association with that is um, with the song choices, find out if you're, where they come from. Find out if you're promoting ministries that are actually known for wrong theology uh, by singing those songs. Um, and the CCLI Top 100 has a lot of interesting entries in it in that regard because... Um, if you want to be doctrinally faithful in your view of scripture, you actually can't sing 
some of the music that is in the CCLI Top 100, whether you like the, how the music sounds or not. Just the lyrics and where they're coming from do not represent biblical orthodoxy. So um, an another, another danger would be just being too culturally minded. Um, if you write your own songs, if you really only have one musical sound, if um, you only do CCLI Top 100, um, you know, I, I guess I would say I would encourage my listeners to be looking for lyrics and, mu and music that have some enduring value, mix it up, have some variety. And just remember that we're singing about the faith once delivered to the saints. You want to represent as best you can in your music the whole counsel of God. You want to represent in your music that which is worthy of being defended and passed down from generation to generation. That's pretty weighty, too. So I guess along with that, then there's the danger of never singing scripture. Because, I mean, what more exalted purpose could musical arts serve than to actually sing the word of God? Um, and then one more danger, um, the danger of empty emotion. I don't want to downplay the role of emotion in worship because the Psalms are full of emotion, but the, they're always in response to the magnitude of God's amazing work and his unfathomable person and not because of an experience that's happening at the moment with the psalmist. And I really am concerned that in our churches, there are way too many uh, experiences and not enough encounters with the truth of who God is. So empty emotions happen when you're just stirring it up. Great emotions happen when we're responding to him. So, okay, that's enough dangers, I think. Plenty of danger. Uh, there, yeah. are, there are a lot of dangers. So let's say you have a church that uh, <clears throat> we're just starting its worship service really newly or uh, a church that has just been planted. And they come to you and they say, Bill, um, we want to talk about our, our worship service and, and what elements should be included there. Can you walk us through how you would counsel such a group and maybe comment on, you've already alluded to a lot of the, the hallmarks of biblical worship and, and that sort of thing, but... But what would you say to people are a phrase that might be familiar to a lot of people who attended Cairn, the sine qua non, you know, without these none of okay. biblical worship, what, what would those be? Well, that has to be nothing other than what we see in the New Testament for those biblical examples of worship. So, so first of all, um, and thank you for a great question. That's a phenomenal question. So first of all, let's keep in mind that true biblical worship uh, we've got a sanctified heart. We've got a saved individual uh, who is offering uh, praise and adoration and obedience to God um, in response to everything that he's done. And all of that is to his glory. Okay, so you have the individual who is a worshiper, okay? Corporate worship is made up of individual worshipers. Otherwise, it's not worship. So we have to understand that... Um, that you, you have to have the right foundation for worship. And then when you come together for corporate worship, then uh, it's a collection of individuals doing this. Okay, once you do this, what does the Bible show us that we're supposed to do? Look in the book of Acts and then throughout the pastoral epistles and other places in the New Testament. And what you see, that the, the most important thing is scripture, public reading of scripture. Okay, you can get that in Nehemiah too. Okay, we can go back to Israel. But public reading of scripture, um, instruction in scripture, 
application in scripture. Um, you want to talk about worship and everything that I just said about knowing whom it is that we worship, then we got to do that. You got to have that reading instruction application. Then as a congregation, you should be adding in expressions of praise, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, although those can be forms of prayer, but there can also be intercessory prayer, um, even a pastoral prayer, expressing adoration to God, but directly speaking to him. Um, there should be fellowship in the body where spiritual gifts are in view. There should be giving. There certainly should be the ordinances of, of baptism and communion. And maybe we could even go so far as to say that church discipline could be considered an obedient act of worship. Hopefully not one that one would have to encounter on a regular basis, but purifying the body would certainly be an act of obedience and, and could be worshiped that way. Um, those are the things that any church should be doing, let alone a new one or an old one. All right. And so you've incorporated, there's, there's musical aspects to that, but there are other elements I, I of the worship service. I didn't mention music. That, you know, D- did you mention music? I didn't mention music. Well, and, and, but, but here's the thing. I, I would just say music is not worship. If I can be that black and white, but it might be used as an expression, a means of expressing worship. Okay. Well, that becomes very significant at that point, because when you start looking at things like adoration, confession, thanksgiving, even intercessory prayer, um, or uh, even a theological prayer, all of that can be sung. And because we are commanded to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, there's obviously a congregational component that the Lord expects for us to have. So I would say music is not worship, but it is a very, very important part of it as a means to accomplishing all of those ends. Um, but I believe that list then makes the hall, those are the hallmarks of true biblical worship. So um, maybe to, to kind of wrap this up, and, and then I wanted to get some recommendations from you for resources that anybody who wants to study up further on these subjects might want to consider. But um, can you can you paint a picture uh, for us of, of what happens when believers engage in authentic biblical worship? Hmm. I think, first of all, it puts the greatness of God on display. Because, I mean, there's be no earthly reason to do any of this. And then the miraculous transformation of a sanctified life becomes public and then it becomes public exponentially. So you have individuals rightly magnifying the Lord and then you have the saints dwelling together in unity, which is also very otherworldly because that wouldn't happen humanly speaking. So all of these things, I think, paint a picture that, uh, First of all, for us is a taste of heaven. And for the world, for the lost and dying world, I would hope that they would see this is really weird. Why are they so, why are they like this? And they're going to want to know that reason for the hope that is within us. So, Bill, how about some resources that people can look into? What would you recommend someone who's curious about these subjects, or not just curious, but this is essential for the role that they fill? Where would you point them to? There are some serious theological works. I'm going to recommend some things that are very accessible 
and um, not they're not that they're non-theological, but they're not um, for the seminary student. And I think that'll be helpful because that can be more, uh, I trust, to help people where the rubber meets the road. So first of all, let me recommend my pastor. Uh, some years ago, he wrote a, a very important slender volume called Worship, the Ultimate Priority by John MacArthur. Uh, it is not about music. It is about worship and the theology of worship. Um, let me recommend a more pastoral book, and that is Bob Coughlin's Worship Matters, Leading Others. Um, worship Matters is a great book because it would help people who need to understand how to shepherd through worship music ministries, and, uh, and, and Bob's heart is just incredible on that. Another resource that would be helpful just for understanding the primary importance of congregational singing is Keith and Kristen Getty's Sing, How Worship Transforms Your Life, Family, and Church. So it's a very simple book, but it does make a really strong case for the quality of your worship service can be measured by well how well your congregation participates in singing. And they build a really great biblical case for that, and I appreciate that. Of course... Um, I should have mentioned with um, John MacArthur's Worship, the Ultimate Priority, there are other uh, expository sermons that deal with worship and things that can be searched on the Grace to You website at gty.org. Um, we have a resource that has been published in-house through the Master's Seminary Press and, and was edited by our uh, wonderful musician friend and uh, brother here in the congregation, Phil Webb, and that is a hymnal. We actually... Use hymnals, and it is called Hymns of Grace. Oh, okay. And if you want to see, if you want to see what that is, it's uh, hymnsofgrace.com. It's as simple as that. And then, uh, if you want to know what our very traditional worship services look like, uh, you can head over to vimeo.com/slash/gracecomchurch, and there are lots of videos there of entire worship services, uh, for better or worse. And uh, so those are, that's my, that's my short listing. That's great. Which is that's really helpful. Not that short. Yeah, still helpful. Thank you. Well, thanks again for letting me come by, Bill. And it's, it's really great to be here with you. We certainly want to hear your thoughts, alumni, on worship. Uh, it's something we already hear many of you talking about and asking about. So feel free to comment on your view on any of the things that we have discussed here during this podcast. And if you do that, we'll enter you into a drawing to win a free copy of one of the resources that Bill has mentioned here today, and we'll be happy to send that out uh, to one of the commenters at no cost to you. So thanks for listening, and stay tuned for Bill's own Cairn Ten. Bill, are you ready for your Cairn Ten? Uh, uh, as ready as I can be, I think. Who was your favorite professor? Shoe. Which book did you read during your time that had the greatest impact on you? The Bible. Okay. <laughs> well, Francis Schaeffer, How Shall We Then Live? Good one. What spot on campus do you remember the most fondly and why? You know, the East... The Pendel dorms? No, no, no. no. <laughs> just kidding. That, that, that was a necessary evil. Uh, no, that, that was great. No, it was uh, the East Fields in the woods because that, those were... When I discovered the, the paths out there, that's a, that was a refreshing place of beauty and tranquility. Yeah. Which class rocked you most at the core? And you get a because on this one, 
but just a brief because you're not gonna believe this probably doctrine that's not one class right because it organized what i believed um like i'd never before and it was very convicting um and it was very personal at the same time who was your first roommate <laughs> well he had six to an apartment back then let me my best roommates were david duty and kirk grandy let me put that that's that's more than one word what was your favorite non-academic related thing to do while you were a student? While sitting in this room, audio. Which food in the cafeteria was your go-to? Cereal? Everything? I don't know. <laughs> All things cereal? I was, <laughs> I liked food, still do. What was your favorite off-campus spot to go with friends? The Academy of Music downtown to hear great concerts. What did you miss most after you graduated? Well, the faculty and the friends. Miss the good people. And what is the one thing about Karen that you hope will never change? Oh, well, the commitment to doctrinal fidelity. Yeah. I, you only let me choose one, man. <laughs> well, that's a good one. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Brandenstein's Karen Den. Thank you for listening.